Making music is a universal human trait, and it has been for tens of thousands of years. But have you ever wondered when music started being recorded? Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, they're all accessible with the touch of a button. And it's easy to forget that there's history there, a timeline of audio recording that dates back over a century. The first known audio recording device was made in 1857. It was called the phonautograph, and it recorded images from sounds, tracing little squiggles and black soot over a surface. It didn't play any audio back to you, but it was the start of some pretty groundbreaking technology. Around 30 years later, Thomas Edison invented the phonograph, a combination of the phonautograph, the telegraph, and the telephone. This time, it could record and reproduce sounds. And it was revolutionary. You know, Edison's factory and laboratory in, in New Jersey in this time period, it was like the Apple or the Google of the 19th century. I mean, the smartest engineers and technicians worked for Edison at the time. So when they came up with these technologies, you know, they're in wooden cases, so they look kind of old-fashioned to us, but the technology was really state-of-the-art. That's the UC Santa Barbara Library's performing arts curator, David Soibert. He explains that Edison's phonograph would record music onto these things called cylinders. They were originally made of tinfoil, then wax, and they're about the size of a soda can. The type that we're really talking about here today were around until the invention of mass production in about 1902. So from that late 1880s to around 1902, these were all essentially unique artifacts. They may have been made in batches, but they weren't sort of put on an assembly line in thousands and thousands of identical copies like with CDs or LPs. So if you've got one of these things, it's likely the only one of that particular performance. The UCSB Library has the most extensive collection of early recordings dating pre-1903 on the West Coast. With the cylinder recordings from the 19th century, we probably have two or three thousand by now. So that's, and when you realize how rare these are, that, that's a big, big number. And that collection is only going to get bigger. The Early Recordings Initiative, also known as... ERI, is a new program in the library that aims to promote collections, research, study, preservation of basically the world's oldest sound recordings. And we roughly define that as before 1903 or so. The initiative is a public-private partnership between the UCSB Library and John Levin, who collects early recordings. He has over 3,000 of them in his possession, as well as lots of machines, discs, and some more recent records. Soybert says that Levin plans on donating his collection to the library eventually, as a part of their partnership. And it's a very important collection of 19th century recordings. So that partnership is going to propel us forward in terms of shaping how UCSB um, approaches building our collection, educating the public about our collection and other collections, uh, undertaking research on conservation, preservation, things like that. We've been doing some of this already, but it kind of gives a name to something that, that UCSB is distinctly doing and good at. On Thursday, April 7th, the UCSB Library put on a live event in the Special Research Collections Department to celebrate the launch of the Early Recordings Initiative. Over 50 people gathered in a room bordered by a pop-up exhibit of the late 19th century phonographs and wax cylinders that resembled large hollow hunks of milk chocolate. 
A large grand piano stood in the center, with music stands and instruments surrounding it. Attendees mingled, some masked, some unmasked, all bonding over their appreciation for music and their curiosity about these odd-looking wax things. Thankfully, Levin was at the ready to give the crowd some context and explain why these artifacts have become so rare over time. The cylinders are really fragile, more fragile than glass. They're hard to play, usually lacking the volume and sonic quality of 20th century records. It's easy to damage them, particularly when you play them on period equipment. Plus, they're hard to store. While the medium is called wax, chemically it's a soap, which means it's very vulnerable to humidity. Oh, and did I mention that they're rare? Brown <laughs> wax cylinders rarely surface, and when they do, they are proverbial pick and a poke. You pay your money, take your chance, and you get pretty used to being disappointed. <laughs> I don't have a compact description for my collection, but I know its importance. Through this partnership with UCSB, Levin is choosing to conserve his collection and make it accessible to everyone. After an hour or so of schmoozing, everyone took their seats and a four-piece band that looked straight out of 1860 walked up to the front. In total, there were three fun hats, three bow ties, four pairs of leather shoes, and lots of enthusiasm. They're called Colin Hancock's California Orchestra, and they were called upon to play songs originally recorded over 120 years ago, and then turn one or two of those songs into wax cylinder recordings during the live performance. They're playing the music that's going along with my voice right now, and they also played the song at the very top of this story. So to really give this audio tale the justice it deserves, I'm gonna play a snippet of Colin Hancock's orchestra playing a song from the Cylinder era called, quote, Variations on a Hot Time in the Old Town Tonight. Then I'll play part of the Cylinder recording, and that way you can really get a blast from the past sensation that I did when I witnessed this firsthand. Okay, so first, the live performance. He had the audience join in at one point. It's a fun one. Take a listen.
And here's a snippet of the playback, courtesy of the cylinder recording. Yeah, John. The orchestra looked enamored by this whole experience, as did the audience. You really just don't see that every day. Here's Levin again, talking about his collection. So for the past few years, I've had this conundrum about its fate. I could let my life's work get reshuffled and scattered in the private market, sentencing a large percentage of unique recordings to certain destruction. That's usually the fate of collections like mine, where I could do something different. Basically, my goal was to do the right thing, to be a responsible steward rather than a short-sighted collector. And stewardship seemed to have three components. First, I had to conserve the collection. Then I had to make it accessible to everyone. And finally, I had to leverage it so others would do the right thing too, ensuring that unique records like mine, still in the wild and in need of preservation, would be available for everyone's access now and in the future. With this event and this launch of the Early Recordings Initiative, Levin is moving toward his dreams for his collection. Because for him, being a collector is more than a hobby or something to brag about. It's about treating the objects you collect with care, preserving them, and making sure others get a chance to enjoy them too, long after he's done collecting. KCSB News, I'm Jackie Sedley.